That was my understanding, but the lore behind Zac Efron for me is very minimal. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. You don't know who Zac Efron is? No. Do you know, um, I mean, have you ever watched High School Musical or seen anything about High School Musical? I mean, no, I've never watched High School Musical. I'm uh, very surprised. I mean, it seems like your type of movie. I'm <laughs> like aware that High School Musical yeah. is a thing that exists. He was in the uh, Baywatch reboot with The Rock. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that was at the top of your list. Okay, we're going to have to cut this entire thing out. I just lied to you all. What? <laughs> I'm not uh, cutting it out, dude. I'm leaving it in. This no, is the I canon intro. Okay, I just Googled so it. What happened with Zac Efron? And I don't even know anymore. Like, there's too many conflicting pieces of information. I saw, I have something saying that he slipped in a puddle of water, which caused him to have his jaw wired <laughs> <laughs> also, there was like some incident in 2019 where he... <laughs> Boy. Oh my god. So he slipped in a puddle of water. He slipped in a puddle of water. Oh my god, dude, what the hell? Okay, no, no, no. Oh. There, there's something else about him having like a like an infection or something and then uh-huh. Wait, there, did Zac Efron get plastic surgery for his jaw? Well, this all links together because there's a rumor that Zac Efron will be playing uh, the Human Torch in a potential upcoming Fantastic Four movie. Okay, fine. Wait, we can start really? the podcast, dude. Jesus. All right, let's okay. start it. All right. Hi there, everyone. My name's Christian. This is Cave Shit. Oh, uh, you messed it up because now hi, I'm hi say, everyone. My name's Christian, and this is Dan, and, and this is and John. I'm Dan. No, but I'm supposed to say my own oh, okay. name. Hi everyone. My name's Christian, and this is Cape Shit. And I'm John. <laughs> I think we nailed yeah. it. Uh, yeah, it was, hey, it pretty good. Welcome yeah. everyone. Uh, that was a pretty good intro. I think. Uh, I think we nailed it, and yeah. we talked uh, about Zac Efron. So. I think slipping in honestly, a puddle. Those two things, <laughs> no, I think that slipping in a puddle is a really manly way to get you know, <laughs> fucked up. I think. Look, Zach, we're, we're still homies, right? Oh, if man. he ends up playing the Human Torch after falling in a puddle, right? Then, I think that's actually pretty. Then funny he would too. just be the human. All right, cool. So today we are uh, talking about. Iron Man 2, the third movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Very, very quick summary is uh, this picks up right after the events of Iron Man 1. And then we get a a nice little time jump, uh, which, oh man, I I even called out some things in this time jump, which is going to be fun to go over. Uh, And then we start to see things are uh, unraveling a bit for Tony as uh, people start to get a hold of arc reactor blueprints and uh start to challenge his status in the world which uh he has built up over the past six months Uh, a couple quick notes on this it was directed again by john favreau who directed the first iron man movie and also plays happy the uh bodyguard for tony at the start and later on pepper uh, made by Marvel Studios, distributed by Paramount Studios. Uh, the first Disney-owned and Disney-distributed movie, by the way, is The Avengers, the end of Phase 1. So all of these ones leading up to The Avengers were already promised to or produced or distributed by not Disney. Uh, it sounds like they had to keep those contracts going until they were all uh, out. Uh, The movie mostly used computer-generated suits this time, unlike 
the last Iron Man, the first one, which was a mix of computer generated. So there were ones that Tony was wearing a lot of the suit, some where Tony was actually wearing like half the suit up. Uh, but in this one, it was a lot mostly computer generated and it won an Academy Award for best visual effects. Uh, so kind of interesting Sick. there. Uh, Don Cheadle's first appearance as Rhodey. Uh, we see the first appearance of John Slattery as Howard Stark. Um, and kind of interesting seeing these two and realizing how much impact they end up having throughout the entire MCU. So it's kind of interesting. I didn't realize that this was even the first appearance of uh, Howard Stark. Uh, and then Mickey Rourke playing the villain uh, for this movie, which... Uh, Really interesting. Uh, what was interesting that I found out is he decided that the character should have gold teeth and the bird, and he paid for both of those things out of pocket. Those were not uh, scripted for his character to have. So, uh, kind of interesting. Uh, so that brings us uh, to the movie. Uh, Iron Man 2, third movie in the MCU. We're getting better every time, right? Yeah, some, I mean, uh, something like that. Well, um... We started off kind of okay, and then we took a big dip. So already your statement has been disproven. But um, the third one, I mean, it's better than the second one, the, the Incredible Hulk. The third movie being this one, in case you guys lost my train of thought there. We start off this movie in Russia. I just think it's funny, too, because as soon as they introduce a Russian character, you're just like, oh, that guy's going to be a villain. Like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like, with, with, without knowing anything about the movie, it's just like, it's a shot of Russia. And it's like, oh, this is the guy he's going to have to take down because we don't much care for those Russians. No, but you don't understand. He's taking care of his father. This guy's a sympathetic villain. Also, he has a bird. He's a yeah. pet owner. Like, this guy, they want you to be like, oh, this guy's a. He's got a good heart. Yeah. Yeah. He's hey, he's 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 not he's not such a he's not such a bad guy. He's yeah. just a brown Russian man. And as we saw mm -hmm. in the first movie, Tony does not much care for brown people. Uh, they tend to pop up as villains well, in the movies quite a bit. I don't think that based that's on Tony's the two preference. I've seen, Dan, I don't know. It seems yeah. like you're into some pretty perverse things. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay. So mm -hmm. we see uh some old blueprints, which Man, uh, blueprints are wild in this movie. Just all over the place, there are blueprints that are printed out for this arc reactor. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a well-kept secret, but there's the first mention of Stark Industries and Howard Stark on those. And uh, we see something's going down, but we're not sure just yet how those uh, blueprints are going to play into it. And so we kind of get a, a quick overview through the wall of uh, memorabilia that his character has collected, uh, showing that Iron Man has stabilized East-West relations, uh, which was, I just, I just kind of laughed. Like, I, I can't even, I can't defend it. Some of the things on that wall were just a bit ridiculous. Yeah, it's very convenient. <laughs> it's just sort of like, hey, there's been a time skip and like all of the ramifications of Iron Man existing have been completely dealt with off screen. Don't worry about it. He's here now yeah. and everything's fine. Yeah, and so what we find out through this is that uh, we've got a pretty cocky uh, Tony Stark in this movie, probably more than normal now that he's gotten his extra confidence boost as Iron Man. Now, I did not look at your notes before this specifically because I wanted to see if I captured this. Okay. Did you, in your notes, 
write a note about something about him in the plane. Uh, yes, I did, actually. Uh, Maybe something like, why is he jumping out of a plane? Literally, dude, my second no. I'm looking at my thing. <laughs> why did he have to jump from the plane? It just, it's like... So I actually wrote the same note because I didn't think of any reason why he could have until we got a little bit further into the story sure. and realized that every time he's using the suit, he is getting more and more poisoned by that suit. So my guess is that he used the plane to get as far as he could to that event to be able to utilize the suit at the event as much as he could. No, see, I think that that's wrong. Uh, I think oh, that if okay. there was a way to defend that, you could just say, you know, it's Tony Stark. He's into showboating. So, of course, he jumped from a plane because that's just what he would do. Because, But I still thought it was dumb. Like, it's kind of like, it's like, there's a lot of moments throughout this movie that feel like they're a lot more for the audience, you know? And I'm kind of noticing a theme. I feel like that's probably just never going to stop happening. And if that is what it is, that's like, whatever. But like, you know, jumping out of a plane, it's like there's there's sort of no like demonstrable purpose for that. It's just kind of like, you know, it's like, hey, you're sitting in a theater and eating popcorn. You're like, oh, he jumped out of the plane. This guy's fucking badass, dude. Fuck yeah. Well, to offer like an alternative perspective or maybe just like a, another theory out there, I'm not saying this is correct, but the entire problem that Tony is dealing with in this uh in this movie is he's kind of like dealing with the fact that he is probably just gonna die soon so he's exhibiting a lot of like self-destructive behavior and so maybe it's manifesting itself in him doing daredevil stunts like jumping out of an airplane even though he has an yeah iron even though he has an iron maybe it yeah. like malfunctions and an then like and then he just dies you know and he's like oh okay, god cool. that would have been a great movie yeah, well, it would have been too quick. That's the problem. Uh, yeah, that would have been... Can you imagine, like, just waves of Marvel fans across America going to go see Iron Man 2, and then it's only five minutes long, and Tony just commits suicide by jumping out of an airplane? Almost yeah. like Bruce Banner does in the last movie. Right, yeah? Hmm, I'm noticing hmm. a theme. Wow, maybe jumping out of airplanes is something that really gets... It really gets the those those moviegoers going. They look at that well, and they say, Oh man, if if I was Iron Man, I also would jump out, would jump out of an air... Wouldn't that be cool? It's actually interesting because I can already think of at least two more situations in the top of my head where we see people jumping out what? of planes in no. future MCU movies. Maybe no. jumping out of Don't planes tell me. for Marvel is like feet for Dan Schneider. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like a Dan Schneider feet thing. Yeah. yeah. Got it. So Kevin Feige just really likes seeing people jump out of planes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, I guess. All right. Well, that makes sense. Uh what I noticed was I, I kind of didn't remember this because it's been a long time since I've watched this movie. Uh Tony is very, very arrogant and cocky, but like not standard Tony. Like when he's on that stage talking to that crowd, it is probably the most arrogant he's ever been. And I think it's it's interesting because thinking back to it, it actually makes like Avengers that's coming up the end of phase one make more sense as to like how the path of Tony's gonna kind of take. And even throughout this movie, he gets knocked down a few pegs. Um, so I, you know, I think it was an interesting uh, way to see the start of this because then we get to be brought straight into the government uh wanting a piece of uh iron man and tony and this weapon or exoskeleton i don't know however you want to classify it 
Uh, but I really liked the, uh, I mean, I guess I'm going to like a lot of this movie, of course. Uh, but the uh, scenes in Congress, I guess it is, uh, where Tony's uh, testifying in front oh, yeah. of uh, senators and all that. I oh, you was, liked uh, that, oh, you dude? Liked that one? Oh, I you did. thought it was, uh, hmm, okay, interesting. I think that um, <clears throat> Tony Stark is just like the epitomization of like a Marty Stew kind of character, where it's just like... It's like he's like the best and he's handsome and women love him. And then he shows up and he like is, you know, sitting in front of a, a, a group of politicians and demanding things. And he always has the right answer and the right thing to say. And he's just like small, you know, it's just kind of like, I don't know, dude, I feel like a lot of the tension of a scene like that is just sort it it just it just kind of doesn't matter because you know that it's like oh he's going to figure it out but i do think maybe my favorite scene from that entire uh little part is when they're talking about how um they're like oh well maybe there could be other people making other iron mans and he's like well let me go ahead and just hack the tv really quick with my remote hacking device like do 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 and then it's like oh yeah see no one else can really do this and uh actually in fact here's my competitor uh uh on the screen attempting to do the same thing and then the guy's like oh how do i get this off the screen and he like can't find the plug for the tv <laughs> until after like all of the incriminating evidence has been shown and then he finds the plug for the TV and he rips it out of the wall dramatically and he's like, damn it, Tony, how dare you embarrass me like this? And it's just kind of like, oh man, convenient. I feel like that's maybe well, my um my uh, 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 word for all of these movies so far is everything happens and I'm just like, this is real goddamn convenient. But we also don't see that Justin Hammer of Hammer Industries is like, or whatever, Hammer Tech. I don't know. I forgot what the name is already of his company because he was kind of... The company didn't matter, yeah. but that he wasn't necessarily the most competent... Yeah, he's not the smartest cookie. Right. Yeah, so he wasn't there necessarily because he was the smart one of the company, whereas Tony is clearly the one that's the inventor of the company, right? Now, I'm not saying that means he doesn't know how to unplug a TV, but I am saying he's kind of a bumbling idiot. Right. Yeah. Who doesn't know how to unplug a TV? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> that maybe unplugging it wouldn't be his first thought if he could just No, 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 no. This is this is this is one of those moments, uh uh, Dan, that we get into where I have to go, no, 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 no. All right, no, uh -huh. no, no. Go watch that scene again. There's like several shots of him attempting to locate some way to turn off this television, and he's like, I can't turn off the 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 TV, and then he finally finds the extension cord, and then well, he pulls it out of the wall. No, but I'm going to disagree again, because how mm -hmm. many times have you ever been to a new TV, gotten a new TV, because I Four. get new TVs all the time from yeah. my mansion of many rooms. That's interesting. My house is actually five. Yeah, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, because when I, let's say my batteries are dead on my remote, uh, or I've lost my remote, I don't know where the power, like, do you know where the power button is on your TV right now? Yes. Yeah. Okay, because you own it. But right. when you first bought it, did you know where it was? I mean... Can you see from the outside, as you're looking at your TV, can you see where the power button is? Oh, God, yeah, I hate mine's this argument, like, dude. Mine's like a big <laughs> circle in the middle of the fucking TV, so like... It's on the front of your TV? Yeah, my, my TV has like, a, you know, the border, and then at the bottom, the very middle, there's a big circle with a power button. 
Wow. Okay. I haven't seen a TV with a power button on the front in a very long time. So there you go. There we go. All right. Refuted. Well, I guess you have one of those. You know, they probably made that because they saw this movie and said, wow, we should make it yeah. easier for people to find the power button in case there's ever incriminating evidence on it that you need. To yeah, this is a super quickly. influential movie that just cascaded <laughs> into our society and our technology. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Then we get we get to a point then at the end of the uh, uh, hearing uh, where uh, one of the dudes up there who has been really, really grilling our boy Tony, dude, just uh, left, right, center, up, down, uh, ends the hearing by saying, fuck you, Mr. Stark. <laughs> fuck you, yeah. buddy. And then Tony smugly just gets up and leaves. Yeah, I I wrote F bomb, very adult. Uh again, not Disney owned yet. This is pre Disney made. Right. Uh mm-hmm. I don't think we've gotten any F bombs in Disney produced Marvel movies yet. Not that I can uh, think of off the top of my head, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um now I kinda yeah, look I, it up and I figure it out. But anyways. I can't remember any. <laughs> yeah. Uh but one thing before we leave this, there's actually two things. One, uh Don Cheadle. First oh, appearance is Rhodey, right? Uh, which is a, no time wasted. Jumps right into it. Uh, Rhodey's here, uh, but you know, uh, great scene to start off there. And then also, uh, interesting note that he said there are threats that he won't always be able to foresee. Which is like again, watching through this, preparing for what's to come in the MCU. Uh, Tony is. The one person across the MCU that continuously says that we need to armor up more and more and do more because there are going to be things that are coming that are more than we could ever foresee are going to happen. Um, and so I think this is my point is like this is where he's starting to more seriously take the effort of trying to protect the world, which is something that we started to see in the first movie. Sure. Uh, and then we're outside of that, and now we are back at uh, Tony's compound, or his house, I guess. Uh, and more, you know what, Tony Pepper arguing. Uh, yep, very, and actually we get yeah. one of my favorite lines of the entire movie during this argument. Oh, really? Yeah, on okay. It's true. Uh, where uh, Tony and Pepper are arguing because uh, Tony is selling off all of the modern art that Pepper has spent so long curating and then just kind of seemingly out of nowhere uh like in the middle of them arguing uh he says uh quote i don't care about the liberal agenda anymore it's boring and uh i was like what did i hear that right and so i paused the movie and then i rewinded and uh yeah tony stark just does not care about the liberal agenda anymore he definitely does find it boring which is also funny because uh later up uh in the movie we get another cameo from an individual who also doesn't care about the liberal agenda anymore uh and uh that's your boy bill o'reilly makes an appearance in here um yeah yeah <laughs> So you know, we just got also Elon Musk also too, by Elon the way. Musk. So we got so we got, so we got three star-studded superpowers just not giving a hoot about the liberal agenda up in this guy. Well, this was uh, in a different time and it society. certainly was. <laughs> this oh, was a oh, very oh, yeah. different time. It certainly was. Yeah, this was uh, before hair implants on Elon and before, uh, <laughs> well, Bill O'Reilly. And before uh, what? And before what, Dan? Before a lot of things. All right. <laughs> 
hmm. before Bill O'Reilly didn't have that show anymore. Sure, yeah. But we also got to see uh, Black Widow, Natalie Rushman, uh, sure. as first introduced to us, which uh, uh, she gets to take out Happy uh, in the ring there. Which oh, yeah, she I fucking rocked that. That was, him. Yeah, yeah. which... I, what I don't remember is whether people were expecting Black Widow in the movie when it first came out. Uh, because, I mean, obviously, we all know that Scarlett Johansson plays Black Widow, so there wasn't any level oh, of surprise there for us. But I don't remember if when I watched it in theaters, this was like a big reveal at the end when we realized that she's working for S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, yeah. as Black Widow. Yeah, yeah um, I, I kind of thought... I kind of thought the cameo was funny because it's this thing where it's like, oh, okay, we're going to introduce this like woman who's also a badass, but uh, she's hot. So we got to see some photos of her in lingerie first. And it's like, okay, let's get the lingerie photos out there. Now she's allowed to do something cool. And another thing that I'll throw out too about stuff like this is like, I don't like, what's that actress's name? Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Johansson. I don't like Scarlett Johansson as the cast uh, uh, for that. I wish that they had put someone else in there. I think, see, it's this like annoying thing, dude, because like, yo, I think uh, 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 there's like lots of people for lots of different roles. And it kind of annoys me because like a bunch of like just women hating weirdos on the internet, I feel like have co-opted this singular argument. So it's hard to make it without also sounding like an incel. But I mean it in the least incel way possible. Like, I think, like, a huge, muscular woman beating the shit out of people is cool. And well, it would be cool to see that. Well, you're going to get that once She-Hulk releases. But um, yeah, the whole but, point you know, about Black Widow is that, like, that's not her character. Like, her character is supposed to be able to be basically, like, discreet and uh, move around with anonymity. And being like a big, you know, hulking woman doesn't really fit that that category, I guess. Yeah, but it's cool. Yeah, no, I think I that, that shit's is, tight. I'm not refuting the fact that it's cool. Your argument was that you don't like her as the cast for this specific character, but she does fit yeah. the character pretty well. Yeah. I just she think does. she's too hot and not muscular enough. Like, and so when I well, okay. and so and so when I see her in a ring and it's like Hey, rookie mistake number one, don't look behind you. And then she like takes a dude and like twists his arm and then like flips him around or whatever. I'm like, you know, if it was just that same scene, but it was that like a uh, uh, woman from uh, Game of Thrones, like, 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 like the bit, the bit, the big blonde one. What's her name? I don't remember her name. You know, what I'm talking about though, right? Yes, I know who you're talking about. I'm like, if it was that scene, but it was her, I would have been like, damn, that's fucking awesome. Well, but it's like, but I you're just, talking I just, about. Yeah, you're talking about two levels of fighting, though. This person is part of the Black Widow program, which is meant to be someone who can take down people without brute strength. And right. we'll get the thing is, is again, this is another thing that shows the difference between Disney distributed and owned MCU and non-Disney, because what you're going to find as Black Widow goes through the MCU is that she begins to dress less like this and we see less cleavage and we see less of that and more of fighting background uh and then we get the black widow movie and all of that which really yeah, honestly that's all the for the worst of, of the black widow program i'm gonna say also, i'm gonna she was hot and now she's less oh well okay well that's just that's yeah, just, I I think, like, that's just I, for me though i mean 
I feel like her like only purpose in this movie was she was just like, yo, I'm this like one dimensional character who's also hot. And then when the plot needs me to like clear out a room full of eight people, I'll do it. And I'm willing to seed the point because I haven't seen later. Maybe it does get to a point where it's like stealthy or acrobatics or whatever. Yeah. But I'm saying in this one, it's just like a lot of like weird fisticuff scenes where I'm just kind of like taken out of it completely by the fact that it's Scarlett Johansson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I guess the initial point of it was to be as one-dimensional as possible because it wasn't the goal was not to tip off the audience that didn't know everything about Marvel Comics sure. that this person was going to make a big impact. Also, this, uh, this so. is the last point I want to make, and I don't want to get too much into it because this this all happens later. But they don't do a great job of of like fleshing out her character until like the Avengers for a little bit, and then the very end of the entire like uh phase three and and then that's when yeah. she starts being like a really really good character but we'll, we'll see yeah, that later for sure um well now we head out to the grand prix in monaco <laughs> uh and we see Dude. our boy elon uh wow i did not remember that elon was in this movie but when the first iron man came out immediately people were uh referring to tony stark's uh, well rdj's performance of tony stark to be like the Elon Musk of the MCU. And I think the only real comparisons here were he was kind of a dick and he's super rich and focused on technology. Right. But not right. The, clearly it was not his uh hairline at that time that was <laughs> comparing him to RDJ. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. That was I was like, Jesus, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh it, it so it was an interesting cameo to see in Iron Man 2 because again, after the first Iron Man came out, there were immediate comparisons a lot of people were talking about him being kind of like elon musk in in the original movie yeah so tony goes to like the bathroom here after seeing um justin hammer for like a quick second justin hammer also mm -hmm. an aside which is really funny because i didn't mention i did mention dan schneider earlier but one of the things that i i kind of thought through this entire thing was that um justin hammer feels like straight out of a nickelodeon show like the dude just acts like a nickelodeon villain the entire time and yeah like he's like a total nincompoop yeah he's like yeah. he's incompetent he is an asshole but he's also like weird and like very arrogant in a in a weird like nickelodeon way i don't really know how to explain that but that's just like the best way i can yeah, it's almost like they were trying to make sure you didn't think that he was the main villain of the movie mm -hmm. while also realizing that whatever was going to happen was going to be partially caused by him. It was an interesting balance to take, but you know, uh, we also saw that there wasn't going to be much time between then and seeing uh, Ivan suit up right. in his super whiplash costume. <laughs> but yeah, so so Tony goes to the bathroom. And I don't know if we touched on this since the very beginning, but he's been like checking his blood toxicity. And yeah. the first time he checks it is at like the, the Stark Expo and it's at like 12% or something like that. Second time he checks it at the lab and it's at like 24. And this time, and we're only like 20 minutes into the movie at this point, it's at 54%. And I'm like, how did it go from 24 to 54 in the span of like five minutes? What is going on? He's like going to die. Know, I, oh, but he this also went instant. to Monaco, right? Yeah I, yeah, I actually wrote that down to you because I think that that stuff is such a funny trope in media where it's just like you have this like 
nebulously vague number that just it's like the number's getting larger, but like it doesn't really mean anything, you know? Like, I mean, and I understand in the context of this movie, it's like it's his blood toxic, but like if your blood toxicity is at 53%, like you're due, like it's like, it's like so what? So then like 100% means he has like 100% toxic blood. Like, or is it like 100% is now the level where it's unsustainable for him to live? But yeah, like, I think. I think that he would develop it in a way that he wouldn't have to know which percentage he would hit to die. He would pr program it in a way that it would be when it hits 100%, he's at the level of toxicity that would cause him to die. Yeah. Yeah, the whole I mean, thing almost just kind of felt like a weird B-plot to me to, like, justify him acting sporadically. But I almost mm -hmm. feel like you could have just had the entire movie without that, and it wouldn't have really changed much other than the fact that it's, like, the reason that he agrees to sign up with S.H.I.E.L.D. later. It's, like, they needed to have some reason. Like, Nick Fury had to have something over him, and they're just like, oh, well, it's, his, his blood is poison. He has poison blood, and that's, and, and that's what it's going to be, you know? Well, I mean, it also does drive other parts of the story as well. So, I mean, there, there's more to it, especially as he develops more about his arc reactor and powering the suit and how he's going to do all of that. He needs more power-efficient ways to do that as he's going through this movie, right? So it's not just a plot point for S.H.I.E.L.D. Sure. One, th one thing I have in my notes is that uh, something that I, ever, that I never noticed, uh, but like during this kind of scene at the racetrack, we get a profile view of Scarlett Johansson. Uh, she has a weird nose from the side, dude. And then, like I saw it <laughs> and right. it registered as weird <laughs> to me. But then I was like... I've never seen a profile view of Scarlett Johansson ever. Like the only time I've ever seen it is in this movie. And I was like, yo, that nose is pretty weird, bro. No, I mean, <laughs> okay. honestly, we never really see profiles of no. most people in general. I know. So it, may, it makes it, me think weird. about, yeah, yeah, it's odd. Yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like how many other people out there who, are, who I'm just assuming are like, you know, 10 out of 10 gorgeous. And then I catch them on a profile and then their nose is weird. Like it's probably like a bunch me? of them. Like me, uh, yeah, yeah, just, just, just like you. <laughs> yeah, a, a very attractive and gorgeous, except for my nose from the side. That makes sense. Um, so we get Ivan showing up here at the track with his uh whiplash costume oh. here. Uh, and it's the first appearance of this uh, arc reactor tech outside of Tony's suit. Right, but right, first, get, but first, yes. we get a scene that's occurring, and I just want to make sure that we definitely touch on this, where mm -hmm. uh, Pepper and uh, Pepper's uh, homie, the 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 bodyguard, Happy, Happy. Happy have to drive backwards on the racetrack against the flow of the race against, that's currently taking place yeah dude like the villain mm -hmm. shows up but the most villainous thing that's happening is them driving an opposite direction <laughs> of all these racers going like 200 <laughs> miles an hour and it's like so <laughs> stupid <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to save you guys driving opposite direction. I mean, you're oh, not man. going to see this movie to find an uh, realism. You're not. I mean, it's just sure, not sure. what you're Fine. I'm just saying that scene in particular. I'm like, dude, you guys are stretching it even for the world that you've created. I'm having a hard time buying this. 
I mean, technically, it's what he was hired on for, is to get Tony out of sticky <laughs> situations. So he's got to be good at driving uh, against driving the against traffic the of 200 f- miles per hour uh, race cars. Race cars. Uh, <laughs> I think if there is any... <laughs> It's race cars, dude. It doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Well, I mean, look, neither does someone putting on a suit that forms around their body and then allows them to fly. No, 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 no. no, no. This all works in the science of the universe, but (laughs) cars still move at the same speed. Right, yeah, that's what I, like, I'm saying you can't, you can't, you can't just brush past that argument by being like, well, Iron Man doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah, I guess, but that's, that's, that's different. That's like, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, well, here's where I will, I guess, let up in my review of this part is when we finally get the car to where it needs to be Mm -hmm. uh, and he needs to turn into Iron Man. So he needs the suit, right? And so he's tearing apart the car and Pepper's screaming and not able to get it, and Happy keeps ramming him with the car over and over and finally gets the suit. This is where I go, okay, come on now. He takes about 20 seconds or more of just suiting up. It's so dramatic. He has this long, (laughs) dramatic suit-up scene while the guy's just, like, standing there with two electric whips just staring at him. He's straight-up digivolving in front of the enemy, and he's... I, I that's I can't defend it. I just can't. There's there's nothing I can do to defend no, that here, moment. I will say, however, uh-huh. that that is a super dope suit up sequence. Oh yeah, just the sequence itself is amazing. Just maybe like at the wrong spot of the movie because yeah, you have to suspend your belief there for a moment that uh, Ivan is not just watching this entire thing happen for. 20 plus seconds while he is suiting Well, also up. to right. distract you from the fact that that part is totally unrealistic, I thought it was really cool that, like, after Tony gets, like, whipped while he's in the car, he, like, is on the ground, and you get, like, this glimpse of Tony defending himself even without the suit by just being, like, resourceful because he's, like, using the yeah. mirror of, like, the, the side view mirror of the car to, like, figure out where the villain dude is and he kind of is able to avoid and like deter him until he's able to suit up, which was like a cool. Yeah. You can tell that he's been, yeah, you could tell like he's been training. He's been working like to be more useful Mm -hmm. outside of just his suit in general. Uh, And obviously they show that to start with the fighting. They show it as he's, you know, dodging the, the initial whip, from uh from whiplash and all of that as well oh is that his um, name whiplash? so you see that yeah so uh this character uh was a mix of a couple of characters together uh whiplash and uh, uh i wrote it down there was another character but essentially this was kind of an amalgamation of two so there wasn't necessarily a specific character this lined up to in the comics um but it was kind of a mixture of of two together so uh, it was still, the idea was still to utilize the uh, arc reactor as a way to sow doubt into the world that Tony was the only one that was going to be able to build a suit that would allow them to stand up to Iron Man. Gotcha, gotcha. It re- the fight here wraps up quick, but we realized the initial point of this fight was not for Whiplash to defeat Tony. 
it was to sow that doubt in the world, which then uh, gets Ivan right uh, and, deported and out and of there. and we realize this because there's a scene where after Ivan is captured. They lead Tony Stark into a room with Ivan and then just kind of say, okay, you can just sort of go in there and have a conversation with him, which I also found to be a uh, pretty funny part of the movie when, you know, Ivan has just spent all of this time uh, harassing everyone and tearing up a racetrack and, uh, you know, uh, perhaps even led to some deaths, who's to say? And then the very next scene is just like Tony kind of standing in a room alone with a completely unrestrained Ivan as they like sort of talk pseudo philosophy with one another. Was he not restrained in any way? I no, don't he's think just he he's was. just he's just sitting there on mm. a bench. I watched the movie twice because because <laughs> my life is awful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I obviously he wasn't in the U.S. here, and so. You know, there was a bit of leeway here, it seems, in letting Tony walk in there. But also, I think there was a realization here that the tech that was being used was something that no one in that moment around him would know how to deal with. Well, yeah, but just put a guard in the room. It's the same issue I had with the first movie where it's like, what's up with all these like paid guys with guns who just like refuse to stand around and watch the captive people so that we can get dramatic monologues. It's like, just do your job. Just stand in the room. This isn't even the only time that that exact problem occurs in this movie. Later on, we see that... um, Ivan is teaming up with Justin Hammer or whatever. It's the same exact issue where like yeah, he could no. have just had people watch over him the entire time, but no, zero supervision. Oh, well, I mean, but the idea also was that Ivan was at a level of intelligence that no one Justin Hammer was going to employ would know. Now, to your point, yeah, he started building a drone instead of a exoskeleton, but in the end, Justin Hammer went with it, right? I mean... He went with the whole idea that he would use drones instead of uh, human-filled exoskeletons like well, Iron and, Man. And also you speak on Ivan's intelligence, and one thing I found very, 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 very humorous about this movie is that it's like <clears throat> when they need to show you that like, oh, because Ivan has just sort of been a brute the entire time, right? Like he makes the suit in the beginning and that's kind of it. And then like his first real screen time is just him. You know, he's this like large, muscular, menacing figure. You know, he's tearing apart cars with whips. Yeah, and he's, he's like, basically oh. a Russian machete. Yeah, he, he's exactly Russian machete. And so then they hit a point where they're like, but he's also a brilliant physicist and they need you, the audience, to understand that he's a brilliant physicist. So he pulls out a pair of glasses and wears them while he's doing his physicist <laughs> things. And it's a subtle nod to the audience to say, oh, but this guy, he's also book smart too. Because or maybe he's, he's farsighted. Yeah, nothing in these movies happens accidentally. Like it's like there was like a room full of people at some point in the production of this that was just like, well, you know, I, I like I'm not sure if audiences are really gonna get that he's also like this like smart kind of mastermind fit, and they're just like, just give him some glasses, and everyone. You know, just clap, and then that guy gets a well, raise. But that's happening after the fact. He's already built this suit and an arc reactor, and I think that there was also some uh, uh, kind of nods back to how 
Tony in the cave built his first Iron Man suit. Uh, Ivan builds his first Whiplash suit kind sure. of without all of the trappings of a giant laboratory and all of that. And so the idea was not for and without glasses necessarily. He does it without he does it without glasses there, and then later when it's like when his intelligence needs to eclipse the intelligence of uh, homeboy, the 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 dude he's working for, Justin, Hammer Justin or whatever, Hammer. Yeah. Justin Hammer. When it like when the audience needs to know that actually this guy is smarter than Justin Hammer is, uh, he pulls out glasses, hacks his security system, and they keep giving him props, which is a funny thing I noticed too. Because then, because now he has glasses, so he's a little less menacing. And then the scenes where he has to be menacing again, he gets a toothpick. Just a thing I noticed. It's like because then he's doing all this physicist stuff, but now he needs to be intimidating again. But they already gave him the glasses, and he's wearing that, so. The scenes where he's intimidating, he's like flicking around a toothpick, just so you know that it's like he's still that badass from before. He's still menacing. He's got a toothpick now. It's uh, good guys don't chew those. Well, to be fair though, in the in when he was building his first suit in Russia, he wasn't on a computer typing things up. He was like blacksmithing. He was like putting together all of that. You know, his his suit, right? So it's not like. When he was in Russia, he didn't need his glasses, so they didn't give it to him. In the first time we saw him on a computer needing to read, he was wearing glasses. Oh, right, because he's only farsighted when he's looking at a computer screen. Got it? What? What, what do you need to... <laughs> no. That... All right, Anyways, so... <laughs> there was no moments before that that would have required him to wear glasses, is mm -hmm. my point. Yeah, yeah, when he's when he's when he's putting together an arc fusion reactor uh, yes, from correct. scratch... Yes, he, absolutely. At, at that point, his poor eyesight just doesn't matter. All of the little uh, uh, attention to detail like and the fine-tuning. Or maybe like when he was at home, he had contacts, but like traveling overseas, he forgot his contacts. <laughs> so now he uh, needs glasses. Okay, there it is. That makes a lot more yeah, sense yeah. than whatever Dan just said. I'm going to go ahead. Yeah. I'm not going to give that one to Dan, but I will give that one to you, Thank John. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I win because now your point originally is not valid. So that in itself, no, I makes no, feel I feel like I, a winner, like, dude. I am telling you, I will like chop off both my legs and send them to you <laughs> if I'm not right about that. I am, I am so positive that I there was an internal to... discussion about how to make sure that the audience would understand that this guy was hyper intelligent, and they settled on glasses. I'm going to email John Favreau. Do that. Yes. And I'm going to ask him about the choice to give Mickey Rourke glasses in that scene. Yes. And we will find do. out together. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. We'll find him. I could tweet him as well. We do have 11 followers now. Oh. That's true. Hey, shout outs. Thank you very hey, much. All 11 Twitter. of you. Yeah. Uh, all right. So great. So uh, <laughs> Ivan is broken out uh, and is brought to Hammer. Uh, they have their meal, and now, you know, he puts we talked about the glasses. I think we're okay. okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, now we get to party time. Uh, it is uh, Tony's birthday, uh, and he's about to have his birthday bash. Uh, and I like that he is just walking around in an Iron Man suit. I kind of like these moments, and we see more of this, like, towards the later parts of the MCU. But I like moments where it brings things back to reality just a little bit of, like, him in a suit at a party with the helmet off dancing. Uh, it's well, just kind of like an interesting moment to see how ridiculous it looks. It's his birthday. So would you call it his birthday suit? Whoa. Uh, hey, how long uh, are you sitting on that uh, one? Right, dude? Anyway. Um, 
no. <laughs> oh no. This is where we've gone. Okay. Uh <laughs> I, I would call it that though, to be Yeah, fair. me too. Yes. Also, um, dude, there's like so many titties in this movie. I just wanted to point that out too. Like the opening like all the scenes with Tony, it's just like, yo, dude, let's pack as much cleavage into this film as we can. And one of the things that I oh, thought yeah. was uh funny about the birthday scene too is it's just like more of that. Like there's a lot of just gratuitous uh close-ups on uh uh them sweet, sweet titties in the audience. So shout outs to that. I wrote down in my notes every time it popped up, and uh this is one of those times just felt like uh throwing that out there please continue with your point dan yeah i i i didn't have necessarily a point besides the birthday suit uh <laughs> but uh you know this leads up to uh roadie don Cheadle coming to the party and trying to get that suit which he's been told now he has 24 hours to get the suit for the government they are no longer playing games with tony here uh and so uh War Machine uh, suits up for the first time, right? And we see a fight between Tony and Rhodey in these two different Iron Man suits. Which I kind of thought was funny, too, because in the first movie, they went through so many, like, uh, hoops just to show you how difficult it is to control the Iron Man suit. Like, it took Tony just trial and error and trial and error and trial and error and then eventually he kind of got it and even by the end of the first iron man movie he's like uh well like i'm still not up to 100 percent capacity with the suit but like i'm well on the way and whatever and then it's like Rhodey just kind of puts the suit on and is like, yo, I can do everything you can do. And then they just proceed to like beat the shit out of each other and are perfectly evenly matched the entire time. Well, to be fair, it's been six months. Rhodey clearly has access to put Rhodey clearly has access to put on the suit, right? Because he has said it that way that Rhodey has the ability to put on a suit. Clearly he could make it so that no one could control it. Right. But Rhodey has access. So it is not a giant leap of faith to assume, especially since in the first Iron Man, there is a nod to Rhodey eventually putting on a suit and becoming War Machine. So it is not out of the realm of possibility that this is not the first time Rhodey's been in the suit. Yeah, but just throw a line in there. Just be like, oh, hey, I guess I'll put the suit back on like I've done in the past already in the six years before this movie yeah. took place. Six months. And then yeah. I would say, oh, no, actually, I think so that if they worn put, it before, I think if they put that line in it, you would be on this podcast being like, look, all they did was just put this one fucking line in the movie. Yeah. So that we wouldn't. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> yep. That's the exactly. Truth. No what matter what, <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, so there was no winning in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. But overall, uh, cool fight though. I I, I liked, disagree. Uh, seeing the Iron Man. Wow. Okay. How so? I thought oh it. My God. I thought it felt a lot like two nine-year-olds choreographing a fight. Was that? Did well, did you he not... was drunk. I mean, yeah, that but was Rhodey kind of wasn't the drunk. Point a bit. Yeah, but he was fighting someone who was. Well, you you fight someone who's drunk, so you also fight like you're drunk. It doesn't make any sense. Right? Yeah, you, you have, have you to ever also. Been in a fight? That, that have you been in a? <laughs> drunk that's the only fight way. Before? Yeah, that's the no, only way to I'm... overpower someone else who's drunk is that you have to act as drunk as they are, and then. Or maybe know, I just uh, maybe I just haven't seen enough drunken master to know, but sure. Yeah, yeah I sure. I thought it felt like really like they just kind of 
they just kind of like phoned it in until like the last section in the movie and that's where they threw all their money at and all their time at but everything well, up until like even up until this fight just felt like kind of like effort not like no effort i think any fight between uh two iron men is going to sort of come across like that to you because it's like yeah it is this sort of like gratuitous sequence of them trading blows with one another but it's like completely inconsequential it doesn't matter like it's like you can like beat the shit out of two iron man suits forever it's like there's no stakes yeah exactly and then of course the only way that that's going to end is like you know they have to like start shooting at each other but they can't have any of the characters actually get hurt at this moment or whatever. So then they just both shoot a beam at each other. And it's like when the beams hit each other, it creates a explosion and that'll be useful later. Don't forget that that happened. I wonder if that's going to be a callback (laughs) in the future. Yeah. yeah, What if I touched my laser on your laser? It's very Harry Potter of them to just have like, they just had a wizard duel. In the middle of the house but yeah what like makes a good action scene is like the action has to propel the plot in some way but this entire action scene was purely for show like there is no there's yeah like what christian said there's no stakes at all when they're punching each other like they know this is just a time filler you know until someone kicks it up a notch well i think that's part of the point though is that tony is putting on a show to an extent because as we kind of reveal later on, he could have made it very easy that Rhodey couldn't take the suit. I mean, it would be very easy for him to lock him out. It would have been very easy for him to reset the coordinates of the suit and get the suit back. All of that stuff would have been possible for him to do. But I think in that moment, there had to be a struggle to maintain some level of, I don't even want to say honor or whatever, but he had to put up some type of fight to make it seem like he wasn't just giving up the suit and giving up everything. Cause he also didn't necessarily want to hint to folks that he was uh, dying. Right. I mean, he wasn't necessarily giving that information. I don't know, people, man. So. That wasn't really my read on any of that. Like, it's like, I, I see what you're saying, but I feel like that's justification after the fact to try to make that whole sequence make sense in the context. Like, it did like I'm kind of with John on this. Like it, ju- like that part felt a little out of place to me. Um, because like I like because I think that if that were true, then he would have been like, uh, like put up a little bit of a fight and then just let him get away. But that's not really what happened. It's like they were both like you know definitely going after one another, and then like later he's just kind of like ah whatever. He can sort of have the suit. But in that moment, I think it's supposed to be this like crescendo of emotions. Two best friends at odds with one another because of Tony's behavior. And it was just sure. sort of like, you know, whatever to me. Yeah. Well, uh, we now get the Randy's donut scene, uh, which this moment of, of Iron Man eating a donut in the middle of that giant sign uh, was one of like the standout things that got put on t-shirts and 
mugs Wait, and really? hats and yes that <laughs> him, vision of him laying down in the middle of the randy's donut sign i saw everywhere after that movie dude imagine uh, came out. that you're a grown man and you go out and you buy yourself a iron man in the randy's donut sign <laughs> coffee mug you want to know something stupid that i just bought uh as a grown yeah. man like yesterday I bought a shirt, a tie-dye, a pink purple tie-dye shirt with two horses galloping on it with the text, horses hate global warming, and so do I. Yeah, that's cooler than like a Randy's donut sign okay, coffee well, mug. I have a feeling we could probably say anything and you'll say that that's probably- Oh yeah, that, yeah, that hey, was kind that of- That might be fun. That was kind of like pick, my illustration. Pick something. I, I can't. My I'm not I'm I'm not good enough to, to understand what you would think would be less cool than Iron Man in a Randy's Donuts uh uh t shirt. Oh here's one. Yeah, that's true. Oh I think Punko Fops are stupid. Punko Punko Fops. Funko Pops. Yeah. Punko Fops. Punko Fops. I think Funko Pops. Ooh, are that stupid. is a tough one. I think the Randy's Donut sign, Iron Man coffee mug. I hate to say it, a little cooler than Funko Pops. Interesting. Uh, how many Funko Pops do you have behind you there? Uh, two uh, camera. Oh, so you got it. So uh, uh, okay. they were given to me by lesser men. I'm sure they after were. I yeah, defeated sure. them after, uh, physically and them, emotionally. Wait, how many Funko Pops do you money? have, got Dan? It. That's not the point here. So, uh, we now see for the first time that uh, Natalie Rushman is not Natalie Rushman. Uh -huh. no. This is Natasha Romanoff, uh -huh. and uh, she actually works for Shield. I don't know if you were going to catch that one, but uh, Nick Fury, Natasha, and Tony sit down. They inject Tony with a super uh, drug that heals his toxicity for a certain amount of time to get him back on that field. Because uh, this isn't the end of seeing Whiplash and not the end of what Hammer is going to be doing to him. Okay, so this is just Nick Fury giving all the exposition that we ever wanted to know about Tony, about his dad, about the villain, about the villain's dad. We didn't really ask for any of this, but they gave it to us anyway. Well, I think we did get one piece of information here that was important to know, which maybe we kind of thought was the case, but... Tony clearly didn't realize, which is that Howard Stark is a founding member of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and what we end up realizing as we keep going throughout this is that Howard Stark had a, a big hand in a lot of the Avengers and S.H.I.E.L.D. and future things that we'll see uh, across the MCU, which is this is the first time we realize that Howard Stark's impact to the world is not just the missiles and everything else that it's been making and the... the, the city of the future but that there's uh some other things that are going to pop up that howard stark is responsible for uh and that i think the next time we're going to see howard stark is in the uh captain america movie coming up right yeah we um, also get we also get the piece of exposition uh around this time too which is another thing that i personally enjoyed uh, where uh, uh, Tony's like watching back old old movies from his dad, yeah. and it's like, and he's realizing that maybe him and his old man weren't so different after all. But he still is perhaps begrudging the way that he was treated as a child a bit. And then his dad ends off the series of movies with like this exposition towards the camera 
where he says, uh, like, I never, I never forget, Tony. My, my greatest creation of all is you. And it's like, as I was watching it with Allison, I like said the words as he was saying the words without ever having seen the movie before, because that's how much it was like just on the nose. It was. It was. Yeah, I I agree. I, there's nothing to say about that. Yeah, I can, no, no one also, can defend that. Um, All right, just... I think I win the podcast now. Thank you very much. Nope, I don't think that's it. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see after, we after uh, the next 24 movies that we watch. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll decide then who wins the podcast. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's that's fair. This is also around the time, too, that we get the Bill O'Reilly cameo that we kind yep, of referenced earlier. Exactly. Which I really sort of enjoyed. It's kind of funny to me to think that like so many people in the United States got their news directly from a guy who you could like pay to be as angry as he was at someone like obama to just be that mad about like iron man in a movie you know it's like it's just like yeah i mean it's like this is this is this is entertainment at a certain point right it's like you know it's just like okay all the shit that you normally say about politicians uh we're just gonna pay you uh four million dollars to do that but just swap their names out with iron man and it's just like who is who is this iron man is he good for america and it's just like i i i, I found that humorous I frankly think we should have more right-wing talking heads uh, throughout the MCU uh, heading into the future, and I hope that we get to see that. Wow. Well, I guess we'll have to watch all the movies to find out. I suppose we will. Uh, <laughs> this is where uh, Tony's going to use some uh, uh, camera technology, and he's going to steal that giant uh, diorama of the city of the future because he sees something in the design of that city uh, that seems uh, like it was planned that way. Mm. Uh, and then you see the shot of all of a sudden him with that giant city thing broken down into four giant pieces sticking out of the top of his car as he drives 70 miles an hour to get back to his house, which that was probably the most unrealistic part of this movie. No, it wasn't. No, I, I no, don't think that you could no, call that, was that it the most no. unrealistic sure. part of this movie. Yeah, I think I think that was it. Not the 200 mile an hour cars with the, <laughs> with the happy drive. No, right. This I think was it for me. So yeah, or um, Ivan's glasses. No, that was realistic because it made him look smart. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so we get, I mean, he did get, look uh, really smart. To be did. fair, yeah. it does make a world of difference. Yeah, I mean, that's why I wear glasses. Um, and in fact, we're all wearing, we're all wearing glasses. glasses. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. This is what really screens do to your eyes, kids. Watch yourselves. Fun fact: I don't actually. Yeah, these aren't prescription glasses. These are just blue light glasses. Oh my god! <laughs> you are such a gamer. Oh um, man. <laughs> uh we do get uh as tony's back at his lab working on this new element that he has garnered from the diorama of the city uh he is now working on developing this and we got to see a uh, quick little shot of the captain america shield uh for the first time again hinting towards uh the future of that and also what we know is again howard stark and the starting of shield and we'll see more of uh how Captain America's shield and all what? that plays into uh, 
plays into Are you that. just going to gloss over the whole like building montage that we had set to the background music dude. of a Home Depot store? <laughs> 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 that was amazing, dude. He just yeah, takes, that like, was that was that was really good. Walls and a jackhammer, and you just like it's just Tony in a in a white wife beater, just like pulling. Yeah, it looked pulling like uh, it looked like a yeah, it looked like a a, a village people music video. <laughs> that was just like what I was thinking of the entire time. I was like, damn, dude, just in time for Pride Month. Like we got this <laughs> fucking like super like erotic like you know just shots of a muscular Tony Stark just taking it to the drywall honestly he was he was hella fit for this he was dude yeah and you know what's uh interesting i think i just saw this was when tony or when robert downey jr filmed the first uh iron man he was 43 i think uh which is just interesting i didn't realize that he was 43 when he started as tony stark and then went uh 10 years of playing Iron Man throughout this uh, cinematic universe. So ending at fifty three years old, still playing Iron Man was uh, I don't know. Seems like lo- uh, interesting age to start playing a superhero like that. Yeah, yeah. I was I was kind of hoping that Christian would talk about like the fact that Tony was supposed to be on house arrest, and Coulson even like threatens Tony. He was like, "I'll fucking tase you, bitch, if you try to leave this house." And then yeah. Tony just goes and like leaves the house, and he gets back. And Coulson gets back, and he's like, so I heard you left the house. <laughs> well, yeah, because we find out why he was able to leave. Do we? We find out why at the end of the movie. Because Coulson, when he comes oh, back and says that, because when he comes back and says that, he says, I was taken away. There was an no, emergency. No, no, he, he says, no, no, no. Our, um, fucking, what's his name? Tony Stark asks him, where were you? It's been like three years. And he's like, wait, I have the quote. I have the quote here. He says, I was doing some stuff. Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah, and I think what happened was he got the call about the hammer and then had to figure out all the logistics of what he was going to do and get out of there, right? I so also That's I also, the way I took it. Well, I also thought it was funny that Coulson was just allowed to like walk into Tony's lab and like kind of surprise him, you know, because they have like this big uh, emphasis constantly on like who's allowed in and who isn't allowed in and only certain people have the code and you have to punch it into the thing. And then there's this thing where it's like Tony's in his lab and then all of a sudden Coulson's just like there like, hey, what's up, man? You know, and that's just kind of completely glossed over. They just needed him to be there at that point. Well, yeah, because he was tasked by Nick Fury to like watch over Tony and make sure he didn't leave the house. But he like failed at that. So I don't think it's unrealistic that Nick Fury would have made sure that Coulson has full access access to tony's house yeah yeah maybe uh, yeah i don't i i didn't catch that as the unrealistic part of this movie i'm still gonna say it's the part where he's <laughs> driving on the freeway with the four pieces of the diorama yeah, sure. okay, okay. Sure. Okay. An hour. yeah then we're the back part. we're back uh uh at the stark expo um yep. and uh we get our round two uh army recruitment uh uh thing going on <laughs> Uh, which if is anything, funny. it's the opposite of that because now we're talking about Justin Hammer bringing drones, so we don't have to recruit people. Right, but he's still—he's right? just like—he's just like we got ones for all branches of the military, the army, and everyone's like, Ooh, and it's like we got the navy, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah. we love the Nintendo. we got the air force. It's like, oh, and we got the marine. You know, it's just kind of like sure. I was just like, you just just fucking bring him up, dude. Damn. Yeah, yeah, and then we uh, see that Ivan has 
uh, killed two people and they are hanging uh, from the ceiling. Dude, that was which sick. Again, yeah, it was wild that, choice. Yeah, if there's one thing I enjoyed, it was that. That was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That was your uh, favorite part of this movie. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, and then we see for the first time uh, the full War Machine uh, suit uh, with Rhodey in it, with the uh, decked out guns and ammo and everything hanging off of this uh, suit, which I think looked pretty cool. Uh, I mean, does it need all the guns? No, but did the suit itself look pretty cool? I thought it did. Uh, I thought it was a nice uh, way they ended up doing that, even though somehow it all worked perfectly, even though Justin Hammer built it. That was maybe the part that I didn't understand because it seems like well, everything else that he built. It well, Hammer didn't build perfectly. it. Right, because the part that Hammer built malfunctions later, yeah. but all the stuff that Ivan built worked perfectly. That he, yeah, yeah, yeah th- I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. so it's a, a mix of <laughs> mix of both there. Um, what is interesting in this moment as they start to then release the drones out into the wild. Uh, and now uh, Tony's going to have to save uh, the world, and the War Machine suit is not under Rhodey's control, uh, is uh, something I'd want to point out. Do you remember this moment where there's a kid standing in the middle of the uh, fairgrounds and is in clear danger of being killed in that moment? Do you remember this little kid with the Iron Man's uh, helmet on? Oh, how could I forget? Well, the, uh, the fan theories and lore that has later been i believe confirmed is that is peter parker right spider-man that that is uh an early appearance of peter parker and that the timeline of the mcu lines up for him to be that age at that time visiting the stark expo and okay but like, the, but like why but, but why yeah, but no but there's why? no reason but, but I mean, but there's but there's no there's no <laughs> but there's no indication that that's Peter Parker. That seems like the kind of thing that like a bunch of people on social media were like, oh, but, oh, but like, but, but the timeline matches Peter up. Parker. Yes, and then, and then and they then, said yes, and then the director was like, you sure, got that. it. That is what we did there. You caught <laughs> no, our no. little they never, Easter egg. They never said. They never said that that was the point. Uh-huh. But I thought it was a. But it was thing. the point. Yes, it was driven initially by social media. Yeah. Uh, and then they just said, yeah, sure. That and they sense. said, hey, you know what? Stop fucking tweeting at us. Yeah. Uh, you we got also it. Get, we get the uh, first real suit up of Black Widow mm-hmm. uh, and also the first real Black Widow pose while fighting. Right. Yes. Uh, the, pose the pose that we will see. <laughs> yeah, the, the pose that we will see referenced uh, many, many times through the MCU. That is the uh, trademark Black Widow pose. Um. One thing that I thought was interesting was, uh, again, coming from the context of seeing the MCU, is uh, there's a moment where Black Widow says to Tony that the fight is coming to you, uh, which is literally word for word the exact same thing Tony says to Black Widow in the Avengers movie, which Whoa. is coming up here soon. Whoa. Uh, it's just kind of interesting like keeping threads throughout all these movies and seeing how many things are callbacks and, and things as we move yeah, forward. Yeah, something that it. the... Uh... Kind of Something that the MCU does really well is like maintaining consistency through their callbacks. Yeah, they 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 do really well with that too. Yeah, we uh, have thing... we have another kind of thing like I was saying before the Black Widow scene where uh you know again she just sort of manages to clear out rooms full of people uh in close quarters hand to hand combat kind of situations and again dude like you know 
hey, shout outs to it, but I just found that whole thing, like, it just kind of took me out of it a little bit. I was just sort of waiting for that to be over so that we could, like, keep going with the rest of the movie at this point. But are are you specifically saying that you don't believe because she's not bulky enough to do it? Yeah, there's no way that... Scarlett, okay, Scarlett Johansson, the human being with like, you know, whatever the fuck is not going to be taking on like all of these dudes. It's just like such a stretch, like stature plays such an important role in these things. And I think even beyond that, like the sort of thing that will happen where there's like a room full of guys and like one guy goes into attack and then gets incapacitated and then another dude goes into attack and then he gets incapacitated and then two guys go in but she has like an electric bomb or whatever it's just kind of like i don't know i find i find that like that choreographed fight stuff is always just sort of so over the top for me that it's like hard for me to believe it yeah i mean i guess Uh, i don't know i i didn't take me out of it because it's not like she's winning an arm wrestling fight where you you need some level of strength to, yeah. to do something like that i yeah. mean she's utilizing skills like jackie chan right like he's not necessarily a six foot seven super buff guy that's taking out guys with his strength or brute force in right. any way shape or form there's a level of technique that she's using to yeah to and there, there are a lot down, of um, right? different martial arts that train using the uh the opponent's stature against them even if you're you know even if you're not on equal standings in that situation situation yeah yeah no again and 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 for that like i'm willing to be like yo dude that's just like a super personal nitpick for me but like i always notice that stuff in movies and by the way that's why i think jackie chan movies suck too is for that it's like all right i'm opting out of this this entire podcast see you guys (laughs) (laughs) well I, I it's will just, it's say, just, I guess all I'm saying is that it's like, it's such a fucking movie. Like, it's like, it's well, this thing yeah. where it's like, it's such a fucking movie thing that it's like, uh, it's like, I, at a certain point, it's hard for me to suspend disbelief and not like just re- enter this headspace where I'm like, I am watching a movie right now. This is a thing happening sure. in a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say that when you then go and compare it to something like, the daredevil hallway fight scene where he's like, Oh yeah. That old tearing down fight a group. Scene. Yeah. That's just like one of the best fight scenes yeah. I've seen in a superhero thing. Well, in anything. When you compare it to something like that, I get it. Yeah. But. And yeah, and totally. And I feel like they handled that. And again, I'm willing to say like, maybe they flesh out the black widow character better later. I'm, this isn't like a total sure. condemnation, but like the daredevil stuff made sense to me in that like you're talking about like the hallway scene because it is like utilizing a ton of agility and like you know it's like what it sort of fits with the character like with this it was just like bulky chopped up scenes of her just like taking out you know one or two people at once like in some fantiful way that I just, it just didn't like sit correctly with me. I was just like, this is like, this is kind of a lame choreographed scene. If there was more uh, flips and uh, acrobatic maneuvers, maybe I would feel differently about that. And maybe we get that from her later. If they shot this in a wonder, the the same way they do old boy in the daredevil scene, would you like it more? Uh, Yes, a hundred percent. Okay, cool. Well, there you go. Uh, one thing I fought, forgot about this uh, final fight is that Ivan goes full suit in this one. Uh, that he's actually gotten a full-fledged uh, Iron Man-ish 
suit with his whiplashes at the end here as he takes on both War Machine and Iron Man. Uh, I thought the design of it was pretty cool, but then again, I thought a lot of this movie was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it's War Machine, Iron Man, and uh, and Whiplash as they take on their final fight. Uh, thoughts on the final battle scene? Was it better than uh, Iron Man and War Machine fighting it out earlier? Uh, um, no, I thought that this was a pretty anticlimactic end to the movie. And again, it's like, I sort of end up with this problem when I talk about this, where it's like, I get that I'm like expected to be the dude, you know, but like, but really like, like the end of Iron Man one was so much better than the end of this. Mm -hmm. Like, because they didn't re like, they didn't really like win. They just kind of like utilize the power of friendship. It was like an anime. And then like, and then when it's done, like we don't get anything cool. They just sort of like fly away and don't talk about it. And so it's like this villain that's being built up through the entire movie dies in this pretty nonsensical way. And then that, and then that's it. And then we never hear about him again. And they don't have a conversation. They're that, like they've already brushed past it. Well, but before they can brush past it, turns out you guys that the drones are actually bombs. He put bombs inside all no the drones, way. and <clears throat> no way. Yeah, we're like, and my thing with that is always like I, I kind of said this about the Hulk too. But it's like, I'm like, if you have, like, your super weapon, just, like, use your fucking super weapon, dude. Like, just set up the drones. Like, if the drones have bombs, just set up the bombs to explode as soon as the drones go offline. And then it's an entirely different movie as masses of people are being slaughtered at the Stark Expo. But it's just this, like, weird thing where it's like, the bombs are set up to trigger uh, in direct correlation to me dying. So if I die, then the bombs go off. And then, like, suddenly there's just, like, no one in the Expo Center. It's like... You know, it's like it's and it's just Pepper. She's the only one around any of these bombs anymore. Like she was just like standing with Hammer and the police force and a bunch of other people. Like, but they're just not here anymore. And now she's in danger. It's like a packed ass expo center. So it's like, where did all the people go? But like they're just they're just all gone. And like the whole thing about the bombs being in the robots doesn't even matter, other than to put pepper in danger for like five seconds and that doesn't matter anyway like it was just dumb like it's like it, that, that didn't mean anything they just needed a scene for tony and pepper to be able to like reconcile so he has to save her again just like how in the first movie she really didn't need to be there but they needed a reconcile so it's like anytime tony and pepper are together in any context it's like he has to save her because then it's like ah oh, all that you being a dick that's been happening throughout the movie doesn't matter because damn it, Tony, you saved my life again. Let's kiss on a rooftop. It's just like fucking nothing. It just doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that was one of my uh, my problems with this movie kind of just existing as a whole was that a lot of it feels like it doesn't matter. It's supposed to feel like it explores like Tony going through a hard time and like coming out better at the end of it, but he doesn't really come out better at the end of it, all he does is, like, fix the thing that was killing him, which is, like, the palladium in his arc reactor. But that could have easily just not been a plot point, and they could have gotten rid of this entire movie and gone to the third one instead. 
Am I wrong? Yeah. No, no you're I, not wrong. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, it, you know, I guess it's like we get him fixing the arc reactor, which I agree didn't need to be a thing in the first place. It's like even if it was never a thing, it wouldn't really have mattered or changed anything uh, in, in at this point. But then also, I guess. Maybe it's because we learn a little bit about Howard Stark, and maybe that's the thing, and that's going to be important later. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen the mood. Who knows? But that seems like that'll come back up. I can definitively say uh, maybe. Um, Well, great. We, uh, you know... Something was interesting I saw for the first time was a, uh, uh, as we close out this movie, uh, and watching this on Disney+, Plus, is they have a skip credits button. Yep. Uh, and I didn't expect that, I guess. I don't know. I feel like a lot of movies really want you to at least watch part of the credits so that you can see it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, pretty quickly seeing an immediate skip credits button to bring you right to the after credits uh, or mid credits scene was uh, interesting. Uh, so I wonder how people who worked on the movie feel about a skip credits button. Uh, but that is where we get to see that uh, we've got another movie coming. And guess what? That next one is. It's Thor. And uh, that's the, the hammer of Thor right there. Mjolnir. Dude, um, it's like... Uh, here, here's something that I'll say, right? This may be... There are some cool parts about the Marvel Universe, okay? There's some shit in the Marvel world that's kind of cool. Like, Watu the Watcher is kind of cool. Like, Doctor Strange is kind of cool. Spider-Man... That's kind of cool. Like, why the fuck did they start their franchise with Iron Man, the Hulk, and then Thor? And it's like the only and you know, and we get cameos from like Black Widow or Nick Fury. It's like there's all these things I don't give a fuck about. Like, I wish that we didn't have to watch Thor. It's like it's they're just like, hey, like. All of the lamest superheroes all get a ton of screen time at the beginning before we actually get anything interesting. Like, what the fuck, dude? Well, okay. First off, Iron Man is not a lame hero. Uh, oh, <laughs> okay, sure. Well, I mean, he's not in a normal person's reality. <laughs> uh, Captain America isn't a lame hero in the Marvel cinema in the Marvel universe in general. Uh-huh. Captain America is probably one of the most widely known. Right, but we haven't Marvel. gotten a Captain America no, movie. Maybe I'd well, be Well, but you're talking about the you. introduction of the MCU and that would be the first phase, which is Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Thor. Right? I mean, that is Wait, is that actually start. all of the movies from phase 1? Well, no. no, all the movies are Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, Captain America and then Avengers. Word? Yeah, no. Th- yeah, all one. those all those all those heroes are pretty lame, dude. I want to see some fucking Spider-Man up in this bitch. Well, first of all, Marvel didn't own Spider-Man at the time for the movie rights. Sony right. did. So that wasn't an option, sure. right? I mean, that wasn't an option. And then a lot of the other heroes that you might bring in had a lot of baggage to them, meaning Fantastic Four is a four-character movie, also not owned by Marvel, so they could have done that, which is the first family of the Marvel world in general. So technically they could have started there if they had the movie rights, but they didn't. Man, do you Spider-Man, actually think they didn't. Like Iron Man is cool? Like if I was like, if I was like, hey man, like this shit, like... Taking everything into consideration, are you like, damn, dude, Iron? That's a really cool character. I yes. think he ends up huh. being a that's cool interesting. Character. 
I think from what I've he, seen so far, I'm just like I, I am not. I am. I am not. I am not sold on the Iron Man being cool thing. Well, yeah, those uh, pants definitely don't give him any points. Mm. <laughs> a billionaire tech genius who creates an exoskeleton armor that allows him to fly and essentially be a superhero. He's not even like a superhero. He's just, he's just, he's just like a, he's just a dick. He's just like a guy who's a dick with money, you know, at least like, you know, Batman gets some like cool, like, you know, Rasa ghoul, like, Ooh, spirituality, fucking like dark, heavy plot themes, like, you know, brooding, whatever but, the fuck. But no, 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 no. But Batman, we're not talking about his backstory. We're talking about Batman after he's done. Yeah. Is essentially the same thing as Iron Man. Oh, this podcast is going to go on for so long if we keep following this thread, but okay. I'm going to <laughs> well, say not. I disagree. But we can save that for another time. Two billionaires who create suits of armor that fight for mm -hmm. justice and Batman does it in the streets of Gotham and sure. Iron Man does it for the entire world. Right. Got it. Yeah, but yeah. he's and like a cool martial artist who actually trains uh, daily and very hard to get where he is, whereas Iron Man I mean, just sort of puts on a suit. Iron Man was and doing how many boxing times stuff. In any of the Batman... Yeah, like, how many times in the Batman movies do we see him practicing his martial arts every day? Uh, well, yeah, okay, I suppose in the movies we don't get to see him practicing oh, his martial okay, arts. Oh, okay, gotcha. Day. Got it. Okay, cool. I'm glad that we decided that we were uh, deciding you're wrong. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I don't so, think that that's uh, what just happened, actually. As we wrap I up I think that I am uh, being podcast, the bigger man and allowing this to drop we'll for love the to sake do a thing. of the podcast so that we can At just wrap of... it up. Our podcast, we oh. love to do a thing where we realize Dan is right, and uh, uh, then uh, we uh. say... Uh, Christian, tell us one thing uh, that you liked about this movie. Dude, okay, this one was hard for me, yo. I oh I will say okay. definitively, I really didn't like a lot about this movie. Like, in Iron Man 1, there were, like, some things maybe I could sort of find, like, in even in Hulk, you know? But, like, it, th this just kind of felt like a colossal waste of my time, frankly. That being said, I think if there's anything that I liked about this movie... I liked the introduction of the roadie recast because, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I sort of enjoyed when new roadie came up, how it was like explained in the universe, but also this sort of like fourth wall break a little bit where he's like roadie. And then Rhodey's kind of like, yep, that's me. I'm here now. Get over it. Let's get go. You know? And it's like, because yeah. it, be, because it also sort of worked as like a little like wink to the audience about the fact that this character's recast. It was almost like talking to you, the viewer saying like, this is Rhodey now. Shut up about it. We're just going to continue <laughs> with the story. And I thought that was cool. I liked that. Yeah. What did you like about it? Or what did you dislike about it, Dan? I will say that what I disliked about this is that... Uh, I I don't disagree about some of the story points that you've made about this movie, and I think that at a high level they were too focused on telling a story that would get us to the Avengers instead of telling us a story about Tony and Iron Man. There was a lot of things that were clearly just build up to get us ready for the fact that there would inevitably be a Avengers movie with a team up and all of that. So like the Nick Fury and the talking and the shield in the background and Howard Stark and the Captain America shield and the like, while I like things that nod to it, I feel like some of the story was replaced to specifically build a story to the Avengers. Yeah. 
So that's what I will say that uh, I didn't realize how much of that there was in this movie. So I disliked uh, that there was not as much focus on Tony. That's fair. Yeah, and I don't disagree with any of that. So I guess I'm right. Uh, John, um, you well, got any uh, last words to take us out? Wrong about Batman. Oh so. my Go God. Ahead. Okay, last words. Uh, this movie basically doesn't matter. Skip it in your next rewatch of the MCU. Um, also, this is officially my last episode on the podcast because apparently Christian doesn't <laughs> like Jackie Chan movies. Anyway, I'm out. See you guys. I, I, did you All not right, like thanks Rush for Hour? watching, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye.